Welcome to Origin Gate's daily podcast called Wisdom's Echo. I'm Ray Hughes, and I'm going to be sharing with you today. And I'm going to be talking uh, with you about something, that, a subject that I thoroughly enjoy to speak of. It's, I want to talk to you a little bit about creation and its praise. You know, the Bible teaches us that, that nature and creation speak and sing and so forth and rejoice. Well, you know, the world is far more beautiful than what man is doing to it and what man is doing in it. And the idea that nature speaks is a beautiful thing to me. Uh, the idea that creation has a song. What, what a beautiful thing. And, that, and uh, I think we need to take it a little farther, though, and realize that that's not always just poetic metaphor. Yes, there's a lot of metaphor in Scripture and a lot of beautiful ideas and concepts and imagery that uh, comes out of the ideas that are presented to us metaphorically. And sometimes we are quick to call them prophetic or just creative. Um, I think the idea that nature speaks is one that also that a lot of Christians just quickly try to disregard as New Age or pagan. And uh, many people believe that the elements of nature, like the stars and the trees and the waves and stones, uh, all that's just lifeless matter, and it's just meant uh, for our human use. It's just sources and resources to keep us moving and going. But, uh, you know, the Word of God plainly says that the skies teach us without words, in a way that all nations and all peoples can understand. And it also tells us that birds have wisdom, and the stones and the waves and the trees are, are con consciously and purposely praising God. And I'm not using the word purposely lightly. God created all of creation to reflect His glory and declare His goodness and glory. I know that now a lot of us can quickly become sort of skeptical to this idea until we realize that it's all through Scripture. Uh, for example, uh, you know, one example is Psalm 96. And in Psalm 96, you know, uh, it, it talks about, say among the nations. Okay, all of you peoples and nations out there, listen, the Lord reigns. The world is firmly established and it cannot be moved and he will judge the peoples with equity. So let the heavens rejoice. So now we see heavens rejoicing. Let the earth be glad. Look at all of this expressed emotion and expressed life. It's not just lifeless matter. Let the sea resound, and all that is in it. Was this just a poet with a, some beautiful metaphorical ideas floating around in his, within the confines of his musical gift? Uh, let the fields be jubilant and, and everything in them. Let all the trees of the forest sing for joy. Let all of creation rejoice before the Lord, for he comes. He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. You know, that sort of takes uh, creation and nature to a very different and very beautiful place, I think. You know, uh, Jesus tells us that humans 
did not praise him, if, if humans didn't praise him, that the very stones of the earth was going to shout and praise him. That's not just metaphor, I don't think. I think it's just not some riddle that needs to be solved. What was he meaning by that? I know it's, it's, uh, this is Jesus following in a Jewish tradition. In Psalm 93, just like in Psalm 96, the seas lift up their voice to declare that God is mighty. And in the book of Job, uh, you see that, that he describes the elements of nature as being born from a womb and having a father. In Job 38, hmm. God also declares uh, that the birds have wisdom and that the rooster has understanding. And in fact, the stars themselves, the very stars of the heavens, are understood as being able to teach humanity. And teachers of the law were aware of that in biblical days. And if you look at Psalm 19, you see that the psalm is pre it's presented in two parts. And most people read them separately, but they clearly flow from one to the other. This, the, section, the second section is talking about how the law of God, how sweet it is, and how good for the soul it is. But the word law is not referring to the Bible here. In the first section of the psalm, uh, he's saying that the heavens, which are the sun, the moon, and the stars, themselves teach the law of God without words. And that spiritual law can be known by all of the earth. I love the book of Psalms, uh, especially when you get over there in those last four or five Psalms. They all begin and end with, with praise the Lord. For example, Psalm 148, praise the Lord, praise the Lord from the heavens, praise him in the heights, praise him all his angels, praise him all his hosts, praise him, praise him, look here, praise him sun and moon. Praise him, all you stars of light. And let me add here that every word in that whole song, except one down at the very last verse, is using the Hebrew word halal, where we get the word halal, hallelujah. And it means to rave, be, boast, be clamorously foolish, to act madly, also to radiate and shine. And as Every one of these verses begin with halal him, you heavens of heavens, and you waters above the heavens. Let them halal the name of the Lord. For he commanded, watch this beautiful picture here. He commanded and they were created. He established them forever and ever. He made a decree which shall not pass away. Now this is a decree that it will not pass away. Halal or praise the Lord all the earth, you great sea creatures, and all the depths, even the fire and hail, snow and clouds, stormy winds, fulfilling his word, mountains and hills, fruitful cedars and all cedars, beasts and all the cattle, creeping things and flying fowl, kings of the earth, and all peoples princes and all judges of the earth, both young men and maidens, old men and children, let them praise the name of the Lord. Now, you know, I like to think of it as one of those times that David used a song to deputize all of Israel to be the worship leaders of creation. And so he was saying, 
Praise the Lord, all you heavens. Praise the Lord. He was activating a truth and moving creation with the sound of their proclamation. You know, I know it can be, you know, probably people can take it a bit too far. But I dare say that we haven't taken it nearly far enough. I think it's one of the beautiful ways God's given us to look at this earth and to look at this world that we live in. And to know that uh, God can uh, reverse all of the dark New Age or paganist uh, ideas that sort of stained the beauty of what God was saying and doing with creation. Hey, let me give you a, a piece of poetry that speaks to this. The mountains are ever speaking, singing, proclaiming, declaring, saying, they welcome life and those who love it. They don't fear stillness and silence. They know that their silence awakens our voices. Their beauty speaks and we whisper back. Rivers look for minstrels born to sing rippling ballads. Cliff's echo serves the language of poets. Valleys welcome those that stand in awe until whispers shout. Wildflowers surprise heaven and embellish earth. Soft rain sprinkles circles of light on hidden ponds. The whole world longs knowingly and unknowingly to hear what's being said by mountains that are ever speaking. Boy, I would, I would like to think that... Uh, it's time for us to uh, sing with creation according to Scripture. Yet, do you ever think about, hey, worship leaders, do you ever think about uh, don't put together a song list and program for Sunday until you have taken your guitar and go somewhere and sit on a creek bank and lead the trees in worship and lead that creek in the beauty of song and activate creation and agree with what God is speaking to you and to creation as you interact with the Holy Spirit. And let's take all the, the pagan New Age um, craziness out of it. I'm, I'm not afraid. Of, I don't know what New Age is. It's recycled paganism. Well, let's stay away from that, but let's, let's don't stay away from the beauty and the responsibility of leading creation in worship. Praise Him, Moon. Praise Him, stars. I, th I think we're in a day of uh, real awakening that's coming, and it's going to be wrapped around some of the, the, uh, the authority of the Word of God giving us permission to really have a Renaissance generation, seeing things differently, uh, new sound, new songs, new language, new expression new expressions of life as you come fully alive to the presence of God demonstrated through all of creation. You know, remember the Renaissance, uh, you know, that was a period in European history between the 14th and 17th century that was marking the waning of the Middle Ages and the rise of a modern world. And when that happened, when we then moved into that new day, 
Uh, with it came a new day, a new sound, a new song, and a new language as well. It was a revival of art. All of a sudden, art began to take a new place. Learning and literature and poetry and music, all of it were, were just come forth like a, a burst of light in that generation. And instruments were being created and new sounds and technologies even though we may look back at some of those technologies today and just think how antiquated they would be. But, but in those days, I mean, it was an amazing thing to have those instruments that they were playing and, and know from, uh, that they were, many of them were created for the purpose of bringing a new sound to the house of God and a new sound and new expressions of praise and worship from his people and uh, from God's people. And, of course, Renaissance means rebirth or reawakening, we, you know, we always look at art and science and literature and poetry and think that's, that's what made up the Renaissance. But in fact, that was only one side of the picture. Because during the Renaissance, you also, that's when America was discovered. And that also is when the Reformation began. Uh, and uh, yes, the major figures uh, in the of uh, the Renaissance they include great thinkers like Galileo, William Shakespeare, Leonardo da Vinci, Michelangelo, and the list goes on and on. But don't forget, it was also an awakening, a rebirthing that was happening within uh, the kingdom of God, within God's people. Because at the same time Michelangelo and Shakespeare and all those people were doing these profoundly um, beautiful things, well, you also had Martin Luther and John Calvin and John Knox, all at the same time in history, and many others, of course. And they were all redefining man's relationship with God. And what were they doing? They were putting their pens to the task of writing their revelations that carried awakenings and it carried revivals for generations to come. And, I, you know, I wind up in quite a few conversations from time to time as people look at all the crazy things that are going on in the world and, and how dark it can seem. And they ask me, what do you think uh, the next this awakening, this revolution, this restoration, what what's it going to look like? Is it going to look like the... Azusa Street Revival, or is it going to look like the Welsh Revival? Is it going to look like the Hebrides Revival? Is it going to look like the Cane Ridge Revival or the Red River Revival? Or the, and you know what I say to that? I think it's going to look like all of them. It's going to look like all of them at once. As God's people begin to respond to God in these outrageously wonderful ways, and God moves in outrageously wonderful ways. And I think it's going to defy logic. It's going to defy category and, and personal preference. You know, the world is not logical, you guys. It's musical. And the kingdom should not just be confined to logic around these things. It should have a song. And the new sound and the new song is coming in our generation, and it's going to sound like everything that God wants it to be. Well, God bless you guys. I sure enjoyed sharing with you today, and I'll look forward to the very next time. See you then.